Welcome to another message from the teaching team at Elevation Church Australia. For more information about our church, service times and locations, visit elevationchurch.com.au. Just to be inspiring, but because he's intending to challenge the listeners' ideas and ways of living that don't line up with God's kingdom. He's not just creating a nice, you know, story. So, so today for our parable, we're going to look at probably the most famous of the parables. We're saying in love, obviously. Um, but, you know, um, perhaps it's the most famous parable and it's reasonably common for people in wider society to understand the concept of the Good Samaritan. It's, neither, it's, it's nearly even, you know, a saying uh, you know, just generally in society. But, but what I want you to do is we're going to look with fresh eyes, if you've read this hundreds of times, we're going to look with fresh eyes again at this parable of Scripture, and we're going to read from Luke chapter 10, uh, verses 25 through to 37. It says this, uh, it'll be on the screen behind me as well, and behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, that's, that's speaking to Jesus, saying, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, what is written in the law? What is your reading of it? So he answered and said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, that's Jesus, remember speaking, you have answered rightly, do this and you will live. But he wanting to just, now this part is where the parable, the the story with intent really kicks in. So this is the scene. Jesus is having this discussion uh, with, a, with a lawyer or a Pharisee, so someone who was a part of the religious law system of the time. Verse 30, I'll continue. Then Jesus answered and said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now, by chance, a certain priest came down that road, and when he saw him, he arrived at the place, came and looked, and passed by uh, on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. So he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. On the next day when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper and said, take care of him and whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. So which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And he said, remember this is the the lawyer, the Pharisee responding to Jesus. He said, "Uh, he who showed mercy on him, then Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. Now, just to uh, give a little bit more background and understanding when we come, when we come to this. Um, so the Bible, uh, 66 books written over a span of 1,500 years, 40 different, um, you know, took the, well, obviously it wasn't a pen, but that doesn't mean that God worked through all of the writers as they, as they created uh, Scripture. Now, the Bible um, contains different forms of literature. For example, it has historical narrative, which is talking about, you know, the stories of what actually happened. It's got poetry, it's got letters, it's got prophecy, it's got sayings, it's got proverbs. And this is important to understand because how we read the Bible makes an, because this makes an impact, sorry, on how we read the Bible and understand it. I, I like the term when talking about the Bible, the library of Scripture, say the Bible. But the reason why 
I like that term, the library of Scripture, is because when you walk into a library, you understand that you read different books different ways. And it's the same idea with the Bible. If we think of it as one giant book together, which it, which it is, but we can approach it and read it in exactly the same way. Now, I'm not trying to complicate things. I'm just trying to add some more understanding because we wouldn't, like I said, walk into a library and expect to read a reference book the same way as we read a novel the same way. If I was to say four simple words, once upon a time, what I've done is I've adjusted your thinking ready to hear a fairy tale. The fairy tale is a form of literature. By the way, there's no fairy tales in the Bible, just a side note. But, but I've adjusted your thinking. And so if I talk about fire-breathing dragons and magical fairies, and you, know, you don't have to call up a facility and ask them to come and take me away because you understand that we're talking about a fairy tale. It helps set this, using this, a story with intent, which another author says, which means the function of the parable is to call forth a response from those that are listening. That it's not just to be, you know, listened to and think, oh, that's nice, but Jesus is doing this on purpose because he wants to challenge us about something and he wants to call forth a response from us. Uh, a good way to think about interpreting a parable is the same way that you interpret a joke. If you don't get a joke in the moment, we all know that it's not, so it's not quite as funny, and we all have at least one friend that we have to explain jokes to. Don't point, please, or look uh, right at people, okay? So, so we, we all understand this, right? But with a joke, it's the same as a parable. What makes, what makes it funny, or what makes the hearer get caught, is what we call there's an unexpected turn in the story, an, an unexpected turn. But you only get the turn if you understand what we call the points of reference. So I'll tell you a few jokes just to help explain this, right? But how do you know when a singer's at your... Don't know where to come in. Thank you. Thank you for laughing. But ching come on. Now, that is only funny, and some of you are like, that's not funny, but, but just, just go with me for a second. That is only funny if you understand the points of reference. In that joke, the points of reference are that a key is not only the front door, but it's a musical term for, you know, basically staying in tune. Also, the term come in is a musical term as well to be, you know, like start at the right bar, okay? Does, it, does that make sense? Just to help, okay. Homeless. Okay, no one laughed. Emma did, thank you. That is only funny, and none of you are like, that's not funny. That's because, let me explain the points of reference, right? In a band, the drummer is known as the, what words could we use uh, in church? No, I'm joking. Um, you know, home, uh, he, he, he's, the, he's the bogan. He's the, you know, probably woke up two minutes before rehearsal and is not fully dressed properly and just, you know, just sort of got, just sort of got in and, you know, all this, all, the, all this sort of stuff. So the, the points of what the drummer is like. He just, you know, crashed at his girlfriend's house or something like that. Uh, am I making sense? Okay, so you're like, get back to the Bible, please. I'll do that. I'll do that. So in the same way, in the same way, for us to get the impact that Jesus was fully making with this parable is we need to understand the points of reference because there's a bit of a turn there's a, bit of, there's a bit of comedy, there's a bit of a challenge here from Jesus to the guy that's listening. Okay, and so the f first point of reference, it says the priest and the Levite. These guys are a priestly, you know, type of people. 
they're actually, now, now we don't understand this unless we know in the times, but they're actually not known for good works. They're actually known for, oh, those guys are just about the temple, they're about, you know, worshipping God, but they don't really care about, uh, about people. So this lawyer, this Pharisee, that's the guy that asked Jesus, you know, what, what do I do to inherit eternal life? And then, you know, Jesus lists the greatest command and he says, you know, I've done that. The Pharisee knows that the priest and the Levite, they're not known for good works. They're not known for helping other people. So as the story is being told, this lawyer is probably standing there thinking, that'd be right. Priests and Levites, yeah, they're all just about the temple or about getting their showbread right. And, you know, all this, you know, all this sort of stuff. Of course, they're not going to help this poor guy. The second point of reference is this, is that the, the lawyer or the teacher of the law, the guy who actually known for being generous, they were known for having good works. They were the, um, I don't know, like, you know, like the, the not-for-profit, you know, heads. They were, you know, in charge of, you know, seeking the homeless, of helping. That, that's what they were known for. So this guy who's listening, this lawyer, he's about to get caught by Jesus in this parable, in this term, because he's thinking, he's like, I know how this story ends. Levites, priests, yep, they're not going to help them. I know what's going to happen. A Pharisee, one of us, one of me, one of my kind, he's going to come along because that's, that's what we do. That's who we are. So, so it's sort of like heading that direction. They're thinking, he's thinking that's what's going to happen, but then it's not him. It's not a Pharisee, it's not a lawyer, it's, as the text said, it's a Samaritan. And you're like, okay, well, help me explain. This is the third point of reference, which is important to understand. You see, the Jews, that's a nice term, race of people that were like half Jewish and, you know, previously in history, they turned against the Jews and they, you know, fought for a foreign, you know, nation against them and all this, all this sort of stuff. So when Jesus is telling this parable, he's setting this guy up big time. He gives him two people coming along that the guy's like, yep, no, they're not going to help. He's thinking, all right, it's going to be one of my kind. It's going to be one of me. And then suddenly Jesus turns and says, no, 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 it's not one of your kind. It's actually someone who, who you think is not even worthy. It's someone, it's a Samaritan cast. And so this guy gets caught by this parable of Jesus. We get a glimpse of this. Because even like we read before, this lawyer, this Pharisee, his response when Jesus asked, who was the one who showed compassion? The Pharisee's response is, the one who showed mercy. He doesn't even call him a Samaritan. He's like, oh, it was, it was that guy. So we have to ask ourselves, when Jesus is telling this parable from this Lawyer, what's this response that he's he's looking? What's this? What are the ideas that he's looking to challenge when it comes to this lawyer's you know, thinking about people and thinking about the kingdom of God? And, and one of those was was Jesus was trying to break down these stereotypes and judgments that this Pharisee had of people. He wanted to show the Pharisee that he had pride in his heart and that he had a nice little box of who his neighbor was. But God wanted to make that bigger. He was, Jesus was really calling forth an expanded heart. An expanded heart. He, 
He wanted to show him that, you know, as human beings, if we're honest, we probably all understand this, that, that all of us, we have a great propensity to be able to um, deceive ourselves. Do you, do you know what I mean? Because this lawyer stood up, he's like, I've done everything. I can tell you, I know it's love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength and love your neighbour of yourself. I've done this. And then wants to prove himself a little bit more. And so ask Jesus who his neighbour is. And so Jesus is like, all right, you ready for this? Let's go, let's go. And sets him up right there in the moment. And I believe across this morning, not just because of this message, but because I believe that God's Spirit is speaking to every one of us and challenging us to expand our hearts a bit. Would we not think that we've got it all together? Would we understand that we probably have deception and we need someone, we need something to come and challenge our ideas and our thoughts? Maybe God's calling you to impact someone's life you've never thought of before or associated with before. Maybe He's calling you today to reach beyond your usual circle at work or usual circle at the sports club or usual circle of the parents or the friends at school that you hang out with. You see, in this parable, Jesus is calling forth this response from this lawyer, from this Pharisee. God has called us to expand our hearts. Not only has He called us not to be like this Pharisee who thought he had it all together until Jesus challenged him, but He's also calling us not to be like the priests or the Levites that are just, you know, about our own thing or about in-house or don't even see the person that needs compassion across the other side of the road. But God has called us, like I said, to expand our hearts and see those that, that are in need, those that need compassion, and to break out of our boxes of, and familiar circles. And I, I wanna spend the rest of our time just looking at what, is, what does this actually look like together? How, how do we do this? And what, what is God calling from us today? What's the, what's the response? Remember, a parable is a story with intent. It's a story that calls forth a response from each and every single person. And for us, what is that today? So I've got, so I've got two thoughts which I think will help us. Number one, what I think God is asking from us is examination. You're like, exams, what? No, 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 no. Imagine this for a second. And, and maybe it needs more imagining for some than others. But anyway, imagine for a second that you're um, jogging along the footpath doing your you know, usual morning jog. It's Mandra, so of course, you know, the weather's spectacular. There's, you know, the sun's just sort of coming up. There's a you know, nice crispness in the air. There's a little sea breeze blowing. And, you know, dolphins are frolicking as you, you know, run past the cart or the ocean or, or whatever. Just, just imagine that you're doing this for a second. You look out to sea. You think, oh, wow, this is amazing. But then suddenly there's a sharp pain that just shoots through your right knee. Some of you don't have to imagine this, but it's not a word of knowledge. I just sort of made it up, right? So, suddenly this sharp pain shoots through your right knee and you sort of struggle to hobble over to something to hold up, hold yourself up on. And so, you know, you're, you know, super duper, you know, at least five Ks, read 500 meters, you know, from home. And so you're like, you know, you hobble back, you get home, you get, you get on the, on, you know, you finally make your way to the lounge and then you think, okay, what, what should I do? What should I do? Should I call for help? Should I just work it out myself? Because we all know what we really should do, whether we do it or not, let's, we won't go there for the moment, but we all know what we should do. 
is that we should call for help because unless you're a doctor or a medical professional, you're not trained, you don't have the knowledge or the skill set or the equipment to be able to assess the situation, figure out what's going on and make the necessary adjustments and decisions. Imagine in that moment, because you haven't called for outside help, and so you're just, you know, you're, you're going, oh, I, I can work this out myself. And so you think, ah, oh, right, I think it must be a meniscus tear. And you know that, because like me last night, you Googled what could be a knee injury that I could talk about. And you're like, meniscus tear, all right. And you're like, okay, it's a meniscus tear. Uh, I think that needs surgery. Um, we just bought this new knife set. And, you know, I've got my phone and Google. So, like, let's just have a go. Let's just see. Surely there's a YouTube, you know, um, you know <laughs> do it yourself at home. You know, need it. But, you know, let's just get out and, and have a go and see if I can fix this thing up, right? Crazy. We would never do that, hopefully. Please don't. We would never do that, right? Crazy. Why? Because you're not the right person to do an examination on yourself. Let's track back to our lawyer friend who asked Jesus the question, what must I, have, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He knew the answer. He could say love. But what was the issue? The issue was that he had a false read on who his neighbor was. And that's what Jesus was challenging challenging him on. He had tried to do the examination himself. And while we would never do that when it comes to you know, medical things about our body or surgeries or something like that, oftentimes we do it when it comes to our spiritual life and we do it when it comes to our hearts. But in contrast on um, trusting God versus trusting man. And he says this in uh, verses 9 and 10 of chapter 17. He says, The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? But I, the Lord, search all hearts and examine secret motives. I give all people their due rewards according to what their actions deserve. This morning when it comes to examination, can I ask you, are you getting an outside professional is like? I, I, I want to tell you that Jesus wants to do that with our hearts as well. He doesn't want us to just try and self-diagnose, but to understand that He can come and speak to us. That as we open our hearts, as we allow Him to come in, He can come and change us and transform us. Uh, in, in, in Psalms, also in the Old Testament, uh, this was part of King David's response to God when through a prophet named Nathan, his heart was exposed. Uh, I'll just read this to God. He says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, when you are a loyal spirit within me. Do not banish your presence and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. Yeah, this morning, the first thought is, would you place yourself before God Allow Him to do the examining so that change can come. You know, we've been talking a lot over the last period about um, spiritual practices, disfasting, simplicity, celebration, a way of living that positions us before God so that His transforming power can come in. And as we do that, what we're doing is we're placing ourselves before God to say, God, would you come in and would you truly examine my heart? 
Would you come in and show me those things that need to change? Would you show me what needs to happen in my life? Would you show me, I don't wanna be deceived by my own heart. I don't wanna be sitting in pride thinking that I've got it all together, but God, I wanna open what you have for me and what your kingdom looks like in my life. So would you, God, come through? And see, when it comes to responding to this, to this thought, this parable that Jesus wants us to respond to. Number one is it's got to be about examination, not just self-assessing, but saying, God, would you come? Holy Spirit, would you come? And highlight in my heart what needs to change. That's number one. Number two is this, is I've just simply called expand. Expand. So in this parable, Jesus, to examine our hearts specifically around this definition of who is my neighbour? Who is my neighbour? He calls us to examine our hearts around this, but not just to have an examination, but to put something into action. You know, so often we're inspired about making changes, uh, you know, like this. We think of these big, huge, big ideas. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. It's going to revolutionize everything. And it's great to have these epic encounters, these great, you know, epiphanies, these light bulb moments. Why don't you start where you are right now? The road. Maybe God's calling you to start right where you are, right where you've placed you, right in your family, right in your workplace, right in your class at school, right in your university degree, right wherever you are in your social group. Maybe He's calling you to make a change and to challenge you right where you are now. Who is someone in your world? Can I, can I challenge you? Who is someone in your world right now that you could expand your heart and your vision to truly see, to trust them? that is created in His image, that is with latent potential on the inside, with that seed of greatness that's on the inside of each and every human heart because they're created in God's image. They're created on purpose. Would we allow God to examine our hearts and then expand our hearts to see our neighbour as He wants us to see them, to understand that the outside or even your perception of the outside of their life may shout a different story, but there's something about what's on the inside because it says that we are saved by grace through faith. It's not of works so that no one can boast, but it's the gift of God. If you're here, if you're in relationship with Christ, yes, you put your faith and your trust in Him, but He called you way before you called on His name. He saw you way before you saw Him. That He had a plan and a purpose and a destiny for your life long before you grabbed hold of it and took of it, your, uh, you know, took of it your now world. And, and for us, for, for every person here, maybe the person you need to see is, you know, socially, demographically, you know, what people would call at the bottom end of town. But maybe for some here as well, the person that you need to see and have an impact on is actually at the top end of town. Maybe you've thought, oh, that, you know, this boss or that person or this one I know, they've got it all together, they've got the big house, they've got the thing, they've got, you know, whatever, jet skis, boats, you know, whatever takes your fancy. But maybe what God's called and see within and see what God wants to bring out in a person's life. For people here, maybe it is the, maybe God is really challenging you about the stereotypes that you've placed around groups of people, around races of people, around backgrounds, around cultures. And just like 
he challenged the lawyer on who his neighbor was by taking probably the person that he had. Maybe that's exactly what Jesus wants to do in your life, in your heart right now. Maybe he wants to examine what's on the inside. Because church, if we truly believe that every single person on this planet is created in the image of God, then God does have a plan and a purpose. That no plan of the enemy can take them off track. If we stand in the gap, if we pray, if we believe over their lives, and maybe what God is doing is He's, he's doing something on the inside, not just a self-examination, not just an examination with the people that I hang around with or not just an examination with all the people that I interact with social media because we all know that you know the algorithm makes you all interact with the same type of people anyway but maybe he's calling us to expand outside of that and maybe that's the challenge for today so who is it for you is it a co-worker extended family member is it a boss is it someone in your class at school someone in your on your life in your heart Maybe the person who you thought, like I said, that you've previously assessed that you could have no influence with, so you don't even bother to try and build a relationship or connect with. But whoever it is for you, can I challenge you this week? Would you do something that expands your heart towards them? Something that says, you know what, I, I, I'm going to take this on, Jesus. You've, you're calling forth a response from my life. So I'm going to take this on and I'm going to decide to do something this week that expands my heart. I'm going to examine my heart, see what God's speaking to me. I'm going to put an action. I'm, I'm going to do something. You, you might be like, I, 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 have no, I have no idea what to do. Can I, can I do one first suggestion? Would you pray for them? And not let's, come on, let's be real here for a second. Not the like Christian pat on the back, praying for your brother, which means I just thought about you, I patted your back four times. And then when I walked off, I went and did something else. Do, do you know what I mean? Come on, no, I mean, pray for them. I mean, like when you're in your prayer time, or I mean, um, you know, getting up early and saying, God, I thank you for this person. I thank you for Fred. If you're a Fred here, I'm not talking about you specifically, but I thank God for you as well. But anyway, you know, you're like, okay, I, I, I'm going to declare blessing over their life. I'm going to declare that they're going to find the purpose of God over their lives. I'm not going to use prayer as an excuse to whinge to God about the things that annoy them. You know those prayers? Come on, we've all said them if we're honest. God, I just pray for, I'll pick on Chris because he does youth and we always pick on the youth guy. But you know, God, thank you for Chris. And you know, God, can you just work on that thing in his life? And can you do this? Can you do that? No, no. Come on, come on. That's not really praying for them. But would you declare something into their life? Would you say, I want to expand my heart towards others. I don't want to sit thinking that I've got it all together, but God, I'm going to allow you to challenge me on my preconceived ideas about people. And I'm going to put something into action. I'm going to step out this week. I'm going to invite them to something. I'm going to say an encouraging word to them. I'm going to start with praying for them and knowing that God, you're doing something in my life and you're going to do something in their life. No matter how many times we've heard this parable, I believe that God wants us to respond again and allow His plan, allow His purpose.
to come in, allow Jesus to give us a check over, not just our hearts and our lives, to be who God has called us to be. That as a church, we expand our lives, that we step into the wide open spaces that God has for us. And that as a, as a group of people here, as we come out of here, on a Sunday, we're going to workplaces, we're going to families, we're going to schools, we're going to universities, TAFE colleges, whatever, whatever we do, we're going there to make a difference. We're going there, expanding our lives. We're going there, not seeing people just with a facade of something or some preconceived idea about how people are, but no, we're allowing God to challenge our hearts and then to step out and make a difference, to step out and expand and move people towards the knowledge of Jesus Christ, to do something that makes a way for them. And so this morning, just as the worship team joins me as we wrap up, I'd love us to take a moment in prayer and say, God, would you just examine my heart?